But this morning, we have very, very special guests with us. We have Benjamin and Missy Hatton all the way from Papua New Guinea coming here. They're our missionaries. And let me tell you what a joy and an honor it is to partner with them with the gospel message. They are doing incredible things. Uh, we have an opportunity for you to also sign up for their newsletter, for them just to kind of touch base with you, to be able to see what they're doing over there, and, and also pick up a prayer card also. So we would love for you to do that, uh, just an opportunity to see what they're doing in Papua New Guinea, but they're going to come and speak. But before uh, they do, I, again, just what, what an honor it is to be able to partner with you. Uh, just God is doing incredible things with them. But I'm going to direct your attention to the screen. We're going to show a video of what God is doing there. Good morning. I hope it's okay that I'm barefoot. My knees are knocking and I had heels on, so I thought it's probably better that I just stay as steady as possible. But I just want to say that we're very, very thankful to be here with you all. I think it's been at least four years since, or five years, I think, since we've been here. My name is Missy, and I don't know how I ended up here first, but I'm going to just say a couple things really quick. Um, one of the reasons why it's special to be here is this is my sister, Jessie Stroven's church. Her and her family go here, and this is how we got connected with y'all, as you say, in North Carolina. Um, and another special thing is that my mom and dad drove down from Michigan with us, so they're here as well. And a neat little connection there is, um, although I grew up in Michigan where we say we drink pop when it's hot and things like that, um, I was actually born in North Carolina. Um, and this is going to age me, and I'm eight years older than my husband, so he's not as old as I am, but I know I could be a lot of your moms. But I was born at Womack Army Hospital in Fort Bragg <laughs> here in North Carolina. So I know there's military folks out here in the crowd. But So that's kind of a random thing. My dad was stationed there during the Vietnam years. And I feel very old right now as I'm saying that. But anyway, um, I was just going to say a few things really quick about um, our family. But one more thing about my mom and dad. They didn't become believers until they were in their early 30s, and I was about nine years old when my dad became a Christian and soon after my mom did. And although I was young, um, that really affected my life because I saw the total change that happened in their life, and, and it affected me. And a year later, they packed up their five kids and their house, and off they went to a little podunk Bible school in Jackson, Michigan. And there they heard about um, unreached people groups for the first time. And although I was a preteen, I was um, hearing that also around that time. And God really kind of got a hold of my heart, knowing that there were people out there that had never even heard, never even heard once that there was a God who loved them. And so I know this might, I don't know what you all, what you all think, but... Um, I don't really feel like I was called to be a missionary. I feel like I heard about the needs, and I heard what God's heart is for the lost um, in this world, no matter where we are. And I said, Lord, I want to be a part of that. And so that's kind of um, how I got to be where I am today. So is there a picture of our family? So, um, yeah, we're Benjamin and Missy, and our oldest on the top left, our blonde, blue-eyed, I don't know where that came from, but that's Judah. He is 19, and then Gianna is 18, and 
We came home in June for the first time to bring and leave kids. They both graduated, and they are at a little Bible school in Waukesha, Wisconsin right now, a two-year Bible school. And then we have Tiernan on the very right. He's about to turn 17. He's with us today in the same shirt, actually, so you can spot him. And um, Silas is in the middle, and he's here as well. And uh, yeah, we're just very glad to be here. Um, we're going to show you the next video is an Amdu farewell for Judah and Gianna. They grew up in the tribe where we have lived since 2012, and so we homeschooled, and um, they grew up there, and they're, they're not too weird, I don't think. They turned out, our kids are fairly normal, I think. Um, anyway, they've had lots of adventures and a bit of boredom. School was like their main exciting thing their whole life out there, but um, they have, they've had adventures out there as well. But we're going to show a video of Judah and Gianna. They had been away for the last year to six months of our time last year. So they flew back in last March and said goodbye to their home and to the people. Um, so you're going to see a bit of that here coming up. To say that it's, um, it's going to stay right there. To say that it's uh, a privilege and honor um, is putting it lightly. There's really not words to express um, the role that we get to play in the lives of the Amdu people, the role that we get to play in being missionaries supported by this church. It is just a privilege. It is a distinct honor. It's something that we are profoundly, profoundly grateful for. And um, we've got story upon story upon story uh, of the way that God has allowed us to be blessed. And uh, in this, this beautiful relationship, it's so significant that we're sitting here in an auditorium together, hardly really even knowing each other. There's so many faces here that I don't recognize. And yet the significance of this relationship in eternity and that the Amdu people are impacted by that. What a privilege. Is that not a privilege? Isn't that amazing that God has created this body, the church, and he allows these little local groups stretched across the globe to impact one another? If you weren't generous with us, we would not be able to be focused in mind and living in Amdu alongside these precious people and being able to disciple and explain to them the significance of a relationship with God through faith, through the one Lord Jesus. And so from the bottom of our hearts, we just want to express to you how grateful we are. Thank you. Thank you for giving. Thank you for sacrificing. Thank you for praying. Thank you for being interested. When you double click on that little email and open it up and read the story and whatever's been going on in our, our lives, and then you pray, we feel it. Do you know that there are people, individuals on the other end of your prayers for us? And somehow, God allows for your prayers to matriculate into spiritual growth and depth, people coming into the family of God. I hope that you remember that. I hope that you allow that to sink in this morning. You're going to see some videos. You're going to see some faces, and you're going to hear some stories. 
and we want to expose you to as much as we can of what is normal and everyday life for us. But I hope that in seeing and sharing in these stories that the significance settles into you and that you enjoy and are maybe <clears throat> find yourself that but a little bit more motivated to participate in what it is that God is doing because he is doing so much more than what is going on in every one of our little individual spheres. And he is inviting us to participate in that incredibly great big drama that he has laid out and he has written. He has written into that script your names and an opportunity for you to participate. And your faithfulness has allowed us and my family to be able to participate in this way. And it's just, it's profound. It's, and we say thank you. Um, the significance of that little video that you watched is not just moms, mom, and, uh, mom and dad bragging on their kids. You'll notice that Judah and Gianna were both baptized at the end of that video. And God allowed them to be able to step up as examples to model what biblical believers' baptism is in front of the Amdu people. I told our little clutch of believers that we were going to do this. And we had taught about baptism, and there's a lot of misunderstanding about that form of religion. People jump in way too soon, or they assume things about going into the water that equate to getting into the family of God. And so we had to do a lot of teaching as we were laying out God's story about what baptism is. And so we said, hey, our, our boy and our daughter, they're going to get baptized. And about half a dozen to maybe eight or ten believers said, we're, we want to do that too with Judah and Gianna. And so we said, great, let's do it. And the day of, the day of, each one of those believers came to me and said, um, the very same thing. I'm too young in my faith. I need to grow more in order to do this, so I'm not going to do it. And they all chickened out, every single one of them. So it was just Judah and just Gianna who did that. And you know what? As a missionary, you could take that, oh, man, strike against us, fail. We're not doing this thing right. We don't have the picture. We don't have the video. We don't have big baptism lines going. You know what? Honestly, the Lord ministered to our hearts that day, and it was tremendous to be able to say, okay, good. They're being completely open and completely honest with us, and, and we have uh, more to do, and, and we'll continue to disciple them until they see and understand the privilege and what baptism really means. And, you know, that day is going to be great, and we will send the video to you when it happens. So that's the significance of, uh, of how the Lord was able to use Judah and Gianna. Um, we're part of Ethnos 360. That's the name of the organization that we're a part of. It was, it was started as New Tribes Mission over 80 years ago. New Tribes, so they were a, an organization that went after New Tribes Tribal, people who are isolated from the gospel so that we can try and, and get a church planted among them. That was the, and still is, what uh, we're focused in. Um, you know, a generation or two ago, it was rather easy to figure out who was the next tribe. You just had to go up the river a little bit farther or down the valley a little bit farther because in a country like Papua New Guinea or in the deepest Congo or in South America or wherever it is that you end up in the Philippine Islands, it didn't, you didn't have to go far before you found people who were definitely, definitely locked into an alternative story about reality that wasn't from God's book. 
It's a little bit more difficult these days. Uh, you have to be able to look past practices. And that's what we had to do when we went into Amdu the first time. When we went into Amdu, what were, some of the things that we observed were you know, ancient traditions pushed up against some modern practices. Christianity had had some influence there. But there was a lot of confusion and definitely no understanding about the gospel and about the significance of the Lord Jesus. And so we recognized that this was indeed a new tribe. They needed, they needed to be reached. And uh, I remember at the very end of our very first trip at Amdu, this little old lady wrapped in a blanket, she came up to our group and she said, I'd like to say something now that you've said your piece. And our translator said, fine, you can go ahead and do that. And she dropped her blanket, and there she was, standing in a little tiny grass skirt. And that was it, nothing else. And she said, you know, this is the way I used to dress when I was a little girl. I don't dress like this anymore. We have different clothes. Things have changed. But nothing has really changed on the inside. The men wear six-pocket cargo pants or shorts, and the ladies wear skirts. But we're still afraid of all the things that we used to be afraid of. Nothing has changed. We need to hear what these men are saying that they're offering us. We need that. And you know what? I remember sitting and listening to the translation of that going, man, that is, she doesn't know how profound uh, an insight that is. That is exactly what was going on there in Amdu. What's the strategy to reach across a culture, across a language, and be able to bring someone who already, like I was saying, is in a narrative of their own, spun by the enemy. Help them to see that that narrative is wrong. It does not explain reality. It does not answer all of your questions adequately. You need to hear the true story. That's the one that explains all the big questions that you have. How do you do that as an outsider? Well. Missionaries with New Tribes Mission or Ethnos 360 have learned trial by fire over the 80 plus years of trying to do this. And as you saw from that very first uh, uh, video, we uh, spent some years learning the language of the Amdu people and trying to understand the culture, the way that they see the world. They have a lens, they have a perspective, and it does answer all of the biggest questions about reality. But those those answers are false. And they keep them trapped in a, in a very, a very fear-ridden and suspicious life. We also spent a lot of time trying to form relationships, spreading ourselves out, doing life. That's an easy thing to do. Culture and language, learning language especially, is brutal. It's very, very difficult. And there are almost no shortcuts, no matter what Rosetta Stone says. It just takes time. And you have to make a million and one mistakes and be the fool to finally get to the level where you're you know, competing with the six-year-olds. Man, talk about bruising the ego. I've never done something as you know, deflating as trying to learn another language. The relationship part is easy. You just you know, eat whatever you're offered. You saw that in the video. Whatever you're offered, eat it with a smile. And that just that makes a friend out of anybody. Show interest in their language, show interest in their way of life, show interest in what they're doing. And we worked very hard to build relationships. I remember the day that I finally was like, we are in. So we had a guy who was in our face for years. 
He hated us and hated that we were there and hated that we weren't developing his community more. He was in our face and he was the most obnoxious, terrible person. I mean, I remember getting a stomachache when Nadis would come into town, you know. And I'll never forget the day that he finally said, you know what? It's not good for brothers to fight the way that we are fighting. You have been here too long. You're like a brother to us. And so I am done. I'm no longer going to resist you and fight against you. And I thought, hallelujah. Not just because he was going to get out of our face, but the fact that he said, hey, you've planted your bananas and ate them. You've planted your pandanas fruit and ate them. And you live here just like the rest of us. And so, hey, you were in. You know, we were trying to achieve that goal of becoming deep friends so that one day we might have to, the opportunity to shoulder to shoulder have that conversation. And so building relationships. But how do you change a heart? You can learn a language and a culture. You can develop relationships, but how do you actually change a heart? How do you persuade someone that their mindset has to change completely? Well, the Word of God is clear. Romans chapter 1. What is the power of God unto salvation? The good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, the son of David. I love the opening verses of Romans chapter 9 because it implies, it looks back to the entire Old Testament, pointing and offering this little trail that comes right to the person of the Lord Jesus and his significance and the fact that faith in him is the answer. And so it has to be that. The prototype of this, the story, persuading and changing a life is exemplified in the life of Saul of Tarsus. In fact, Paul in 1 Timothy says that of himself. I am the prototype. I am the exemplar. How God saves a soul, changes a life, persuades someone to step out of one narrative and into another. He says, I am the example. And that's exactly what we see happening in the life of Saul. The disciples are telling the story. They're pointing back to the prophets. They're saying, Jesus of Nazareth is the one. They're threatened. Acts chapter 4, do not be talking about Jesus anymore. Peter says, there's life, there's salvation in no one else. Under heaven, there's no other name except Jesus. We are going to keep telling the story. And they did. There was no one better at telling the story, Acts chapter 6, than Stephen. Stephen was able to weave the tale. He pointed back. He used all of the prophets. He was laying it out. It says in Acts chapter 6 that the best of the best of the best of the best could not undo Stephen's arguments. They couldn't prove him wrong. The message of the Lord Jesus, from the Jesus from Nazareth was the Christ and had to suffer, had to die. This is the story. He is the one. Faith in him. It changes everything. God's got something new going on. And of course, Stephen died at the hands of who? Who had tossed their cloaks at the feet of who? And Saul went out furiously trying to squelch this story. It is going to be snuffed out. And then the light, the road to Damascus. Saul's on his face. Lord, who are you? It is me, Jesus, the one that you are tormenting. Saul, why do you kick against the pricks, it says in the KJV? Why are you picking? It speaks to the internal struggle of Paul was working so hard the momentum of the persuasive story was crushing him. And when he was finally confronted with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was persuaded. He was convinced. 
Fast forward to the end of the book of Acts, chapter 28, and you have Paul, a prisoner in Rome, taking every opportunity to speak to anyone who would listen, telling them the story of the Lord Jesus Christ, a servant to the person who can change life. And guys, we were able to see that. That's the strategy for changing life. We had the opportunity to sit with our Amdu friends and walk them from creation to the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember by the time we got to Noah, there's some familiar stories to the Amdu people. By the time we got to Noah, it was like eyeballs are going back and forth. And they're going, wait, 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 wait. This story is connected to all the other ones that we've just been hearing. It's like this is one long story. It's all the same. Man, when we turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament, everyone was like pumped. Wow, we're going to the, we, we've covered a lot of territory. Now we're going into the New Testament. And the big question was, hey, when we get into the New Testament, God is going to say something in the first story. What do you think he's going to say? It's new. It's the New Testament. You think it's going to be a new story? And they're like, yeah, probably. I said, all right, well, let's check it out. Man, it's just so great when the angel is speaking to Zechariah, speaking about this one who is coming that your son is going to come and prepare the way. For, and it was like, man, the ones who were listening to the story, they were just being bulldozed by the momentum of God's narrative that explains everything. It scratches all the itches, no matter what culture you're from, no matter what culture you're from. God speaks the universal truth, and it was bowling them over. So tremendous. And you know what? That's our boast. We got out of the way, and we told the story, and the story changed lives. Now, it didn't change thousands of lives, and that's the mystery. Not mystery, that is this delicate balance that we call our sovereign God who says, I'm not going to grab you by the throat and pull you in. I'm going to persuade you, but you still have a choice. And the ones who sat down and listened, the story persuaded them. Pison is a great example, and we're, I don't know if you've got his picture there. Yeah, Pison and Mency are just tremendous examples of this. You guys, they had the farthest to walk. They came every day. We started at 7.30. I remember trudging up the airstrip, doing battle with my Western mind and my, you know, my Bible mind. My Western mind saying, there's only 30 people listening to your, your God talk, you failure, you know, and... In my vile mind, I'm trying to reject that, push it back. No, it's not really failure. Oh, gosh, I would love more people. And in that internal battle, as I'm walking towards the teaching house, a little figure would walk out every morning on the top of the airstrip, and it was Pison. Something, something had him. And it wasn't me. It wasn't our personalities. It wasn't our flashy tent. It wasn't the program. The story had him, and he needed to hear the rest of it. And he came, and there was 52 good reasons every day for him not to come. Man, and the Lord would just bowl me over with that every single morning. I would see him coming in. It was just like, Lord, strengthen my faith. Help me to see it through your eyes. Listen to Pison and his wife, Mency. This was early, early days as they were ex trying to express their faith in the Lord Jesus and the things that they were grabbing onto. Go ahead. This next couple, I want you to hear this, this next story is from a couple called James and Opa. I remember that 
the night that, like two nights after we had, two days after we had started the teaching, James came to me in tears and he was crying saying, man, what you're teaching is so true and it's just really working in my heart. And I had this dream about this white lady, this old white lady. She was really old and, you know, she had no breast milk is how he was saying, this, describing this old lady and she was saying, this old lady is saying to me, I've given you all of my strength. I've given all of my strength to you. And James was like, I think it was your mom. Because, you know, you're here at the cost of being with your parents, but you're telling this thing that's, that's really important. And, you know, James and Opa, they stuck with all of the teaching. Again, they had a lot to lose um, in terms of their status locally in the village. Um, but they stuck with the teaching this, the entire time, and it was just, again, another testimony of standing back and watching God's story change the mind of a person. I believed that the story laid out chronologically was powerful, 100% going into this. And I don't know if you can be a 5,000% believer in that. That's what I am now. Because it wasn't us again. It was the persuasiveness of the story. Listen to James and Opa and try not to get distracted. There's a pig and a dog and there's all things going on there that will distract you from the subtitles. But again, another sweet testimony of simple trust in the Lord Jesus because they recognize they needed this person and they needed this salvation. This, um, this next story is uh, about a man named Thompson. Do you have a picture there? This is Thompson and his wife, Ifit. And I met Thompson uh, on our very first trip into uh, Amdu, and he was actually our guide, our translator. And um, Thompson, I call him Absalom, he's the man's man. Thompson to the Amdu community, like he is the, the guy. Like Nate Stroven to, to your church is Thompson to the Amdu. Just the man of the man. <laughs> I had to slip that in. If there was a problem pig, and six hunters went out and for a week tried to kill this thing, Thompson would come into the village and overnight just kill it. And he just did everything right. And he was just esteemed highly. He's got four wives. He's got a whole scatter of kids and uh, the man. And one day, uh, do you have the next slide there? Is a picture of his hand? Go to the next one. That's him on the left. One day we're sitting down, we're talking about, hey, this talk's coming, man. We're going to be really talking the, the reason that we came. We're going to be doing this school, and uh, we're going to be talking, you know, explaining what the Bible is all about. And he said, you know, I've never been in any of the religious meetings and gatherings that have come to our village because I carry magic. And he pulled this out of his string bag that he carries everywhere. And he says, you want to know why I'm so good at hunting pigs? He's like, this right here is the pig's food dish. It's like, I don't hunt pigs. Pigs come to me. I go out into the bush. See, I know all the secrets. I know all the traditional stories. A pig could come to me, never see me, put his teeth on my skin, and it would not break. And so I just sit out there. I wait. I say the right name. Bang. I shoot the pigs. It's like, I carry magic. I've been told there's no place for me except hell. Thompson's fourth wife, Ifit, okay, she is from another language group. The ancient enemies of the Amdu people, the Mianmen, they used to kill and eat each other. And she married Thompson and learned the Amdu language, kind of like the way we did. And the day that we were going to start teaching the first time from creation to Christ, she said, that's it. 
I've had enough of being the fourth wife of Absalom, and I'm due. I've taken so much junk from everybody. I am out of here, taking my two kids and leaving. And something stopped her, and she came to the first day of our teaching from creation to Christ and never left. And she sat there and drank it in. Why? Like the story answers the questions. And she was bold enough to be asking them. And she would double check everything that we said because she can read and write. She went to school over in her area of the, wor of the world, a little more developed. So she is checking everything that we're teaching. She's flipping through her translation, her national language Bible. And she's saying to her husband, these guys, are, this is exactly what it says. They're teaching the truth. Thompson's watching his wife transform, and he starts coming to listen. And I remember when we got to the life of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Jesus is saying, the Son of Man came not to serve, or not to be served, but to serve and to pay the ransom for sinners. And we were explaining, Jesus didn't come for those people who are straight. That's how you say righteous in Amdu. People came for those people who are messed up. And Thompson said, no one has ever told me that messed up people are included in this story. This is something we've never heard before. And he sat and he listened and he stayed and God changed him with his story. And this is, uh, this is his testimony. Such a cool dude, uh, unbelievable. And I'm so not cool. And I have absolutely nothing to brag about when it comes to the Amdu culture and my abilities. And uh, it's just amazing, the story and who uh, is ready, who's ready to receive the good gift that God has to give, you know. Um, tremendous. Okay, last video, well, second to last video. This is Kilon, okay? Um, Kilon is just, man, go to the next picture there, I think, yeah. He just bubbles with joy, and I caught him and asked him, hey, what's been encouraging you lately? And we were on the backside of having gone all the way through the book of Acts. So it's like really clicking for him as a, as a young believer what church is actually all about. What is church? And we're just building this with them from the ground up. And what is the things that are essential? What, if you, what are the things that if you don't have them, you're not doing church? And what are the things that if you have them, that doesn't mean a thing. You're not doing church with those things. So he's really clicking. And we're about to hop into the epistles at this point because they're going through the book of Romans right now and trying to convince them why is it so important that the epistles, the rest of the New Testament, that you really listen well to it. Well, it's because, man, Jesus said he's coming back. And when he come best, comes back, he's taking his kids with him. And there's going to be an opportunity to stand before the Lord Jesus and be evaluated. The way that you lived your life is going to be evaluated. And there's going to be this wedding feast of the Lamb, and we're going to be with the Lord Jesus forever. And so when you're living on this rock, it can be hard. Sometimes you forget that Jesus is gone and coming back. Sometimes you live the way you used to live. And so all of the epistles in the New Testament are written to believers to help remind them, oh yeah, your life is about more than the things that you can see, touch, feel, taste, eat. It's more than that. And you are going to be evaluated, and he has given you everything that you need to be able to live a life that looks like the life the Lord Jesus lived. And so you have to be in the New Testament. You've got to be eating this food. This is Keelan's testimony here and uh, why he was excited and some of the things that he said. Go ahead. 
Man, his joy and his enthusiasm is just infectious. And uh, really looking forward to going back and continuing uh, the work of just being his big brother in the Lord Jesus Christ and helping to encourage him. And uh, go to the next picture if you can. This is, oh, it's sideways. That's kind of weird. Can you, like, translate that? Have you ever been shinnied before? This was the last time that we went back to PNG. Uh, back into Amdu after we had been gone for a while, Kilon climbed up me like you climb a tree. Because in Amdu, you do all of your happiness in your greeting across the forehead. And of course, he can't get to my forehead, so he literally climbed up my body to get to my forehead. And he was so happy that we had come back. I can't imagine what it's going to be like when we go back again this time. But it is vital that we do. It's very important that we go back because he is a baby in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's illiterate. He's isolated. He's growing old. Does God have any use for him? Does he? Absolutely. God has a plan and a special piece to the story that he wants Kilon to play. And we need to get back and we need to tell him how he can continue to live in dependence upon the Holy Spirit and despite the fact that he can't read, despite the fact that he's isolated, despite the fact that he is growing old, God wants to use him as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going back with that mission to meet these, uh, again, with, be joining again with these believers and bringing them along in their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, aided by you guys. I want to show you one more video, okay? As you look at this, I want you to be thinking and praying, asking God to create a special place in your heart to remember daily these young believers, that you would pray for them, that they would grow in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would comprehend, like Paul prayed for the churches, the full dimensions of the love of Jesus Christ and the hope that they have in the Holy Spirit. Would you pray that for them? Because without that and without each other, they're not going to grow. They won't be able to play their part. And then while you're watching this last video, consider, consider both the privilege that you have having been bought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and recognize and ask again, allow the Spirit of God, through these testimonies, through what we've heard this morning, to maybe grab your heart in a new way. You were bought with a price for a purpose, for a purpose that is not your own. You don't get to write it. He has written it already. He has written it already, and he is inviting you in. That's what grace is, this undeserved favor to be able to be invited in and play a part. So as you're watching this last video, man, praying for the Amdu Church, they need you desperately to pray for them. Number two, do you, how does God want to use you? If you feel inadequate and frail, you qualify. Do you realize that? New Testament qualifications for lifelong service of the king is inadequacy. That's the upside down kingdom of God, okay? It's not the wise, the able, the beautiful, the wealthy. 
It's the inadequate willing. How does God want to use your life? You have been bought with a price. We'll watch this video and then, Aaron, why don't you go ahead and close us out. But thank you again for the privilege of being here. What an honor it was to hear from them. We're going to close the service praying over them. So will you bow your heads again with me? God, we are so thankful for the opportunity to partner in the gospel. God, we are so thankful that your, your glory is being proclaimed to the nations. God, we do pray for just Benjamin and Missy, Lord, that you would continually strengthen them, that your spirit would empower them to go back and do mighty things in your name. God, we pray for wisdom as they translate the scriptures into the Amdu language, Lord. I pray that you would continually be able to allow them to find favor in your namesake. Lord, that the scriptures would come alive for the Amdu people, that they would be able to come to saving faith even more and more. God, we can't wait to the day in which we get to see our brothers and sisters in Christ in eternity. Lord God, so I pray that you continually save and save. Add more and more to the family of God. God, we're mindful of, of, of the sacrifice of, of those around them as well, of, of mothers and, and fathers who, who are letting their children go and serve across the globe, and brothers and sisters, so we pray that you would strengthen them as well. I pray, even in this room, that you would raise up missionaries in this place. Put your calling upon their lives that they would be able to be called into doing your gospel work. God, we are thankful for Benjamin and Missy. We're thankful for their family. Put a hedge of protection around them. Lord, let your favor be seen. Let your spirit empower them to go out and bring the good news across the globe. God, be with your church. Empower your church. Be with your people this week. We pray these things in your son's precious name. Amen. Well, we thank you so very much for coming this, uh, this morning. We will see you next week as we start the book of Second Peter, but I pray that you have a very blessed week. You can sign up for their prayer card in the back of the tent and get an opportunity just to thank them. Uh, have a blessed week.